Before you listen to the upcoming Esther Calling, where we talk about work, I want to announce to you an upcoming interview conversation that I have had with Ira Glass, the host of This American Life, or in my words, the godfather of podcasts, where we too discuss work, especially when we come to a point where we are beginning to lose steam for something that still gives enormous pleasure to others. I've been doing the radio show I do since the 90s, and you know, it's 800 episodes. And I'm aware of like, what am I spending my time on this earth doing? I probably should try something new. Like, I don't even know what, what that would be. I'd really have to like take time and figure out How what would that be. How often have you done what you're doing today? Today? Here with me now. Is this, is this being interviewed or is this a therapy session? What, no, what is no. this? <laughs> it, it's a multitude of things. But like, how often have you done that? Gone on somebody else's show without any idea of what you're going to talk about, with some ideas of what it could be, and just kind of showed up because you're curious. That's the main reason why you came, no? Yes. Yes. Join me and Ira Glass on Apple subscription on Office Hours. This episode of Where Should We Begin is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Get your quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, Content Director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latinx culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping and get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. So I just came back a about a week and a half ago, uh, I got married in Pakistan to my now husband. So I felt like maybe spending a few weeks with his family would help us bond and get to know each other better. If you're uh, at all aware of South Asian weddings, it's always like a week long, full of traditions and rituals. But it was also difficult because we were trying to plan it across two continents and three countries. The wedding, at least for me in my experience, I feel like it kind of 
ended on a bit of a confusing note because I found out some information which I was not privy to before the wedding and I'm not sure if I had known before if the wedding would have gone through. Oh, wow. Okay. So now, of course, we have a fork, right? I can either say, what do you want to talk with me about? Do we want to continue right here? Or is there a different question? I think in some ways, both of them are related. The question I came to you with initially was, how do you begin the journey of self-love? It's something that I struggle a lot with, both externally to work as well as like at work. And I think it manifests itself in different ways. So um, so I'm going to ask you to feel free to broaden it within both contexts, right? Love uh-huh. and work are probably two of the major poles of our lives. So when you use the word self-love, which is a word that is at the same time very cultural, very contemporary, probably has very different meaning in the U.S. versus Pakistan, and then has a very personal definition for you who lives between those two cultures as well. So you straddle different worlds inside of you. And they probably deeply influence the way that you define the word self-love and feel engaged with it or entitled to it. Absolutely. Um, I guess the context is I've been working at my current firm for the last five and a half years, and I'm definitely a top performer. When I started my job, I didn't think I would be doing anything remotely similar to that line of work. And I've been really successful at work with it. But I always seem to struggle like talking about my work and seeing myself in the same light that my employer and my team sees me as. And it took me a while to get my last promotion, which, you know, because I don't do the same type of work as everybody else, it's always a different business case for my promotion. And it kind of just always leads to self-doubt and like you know I hear on my team with my manager you're doing great work you're bringing skills and work and business that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise but then when it comes time for a promotion I don't get it and sometimes I feel like it's because I don't speak up for myself when I talk to other people about this the conversation always ends up with I'm super self-aware I know what I want I know how to do it but do I love myself enough? And I don't know what that means, if I'm being really frank. I don't know what it means sometimes either. So let me ask it to to you differently. In the way you see the world, do you have the sense that if you do your work really well, if you bring skills, if you bring clients, if you further um, the growth of the company, etc., it is obvious that one way that that recognition should come to you is from the upper people discussing the promotion with you and not for you to have to go and ask for it. In the right order of things, if you do your job well, it's them who should be coming to you. For sure. Okay. Yeah. And therefore, if they don't come in that same worldview, 
is the idea, if I was doing really great, they would come. Therefore, if they don't come, maybe I'm not doing as great as maybe I think I do or as they say I do. Yeah, for sure. It, like To me, it's more merit-based. If I'm doing great work and you think I'm making an impact, then you wouldn't forget about me when it came time for promotions. And therefore, if you are not going to go and ask for yourself, it is easy to see that you are lacking something to plead for yourself, to plead your case, to make your case, and, and to ask for more, that if you truly believed in yourself, you would be asking for more. And your view is, if people truly believed in me, they would be offering me more. Those are two cultural systems. This is not just personal. This is not just your own psychology. These are worldviews. Those are two different ways of organizing social systems. Is the concept of self-love common in Pakistan? No, absolutely not. The thing is, like, it's starting to be with, like, the newer generation that's more global. But, like, if I went to my mom and I said, I'm doing this because I love myself, she... I, I grew up in a house where the whole mindset was this world is not about me, myself, and I. And Americans are very me, myself, and I. Um, we are not like that. We're contributors to the community. We think about others. We think about our family. Being selfish is not something that's perceived as being good, in, at least in our household. And then also probably like the time that my parents reflect on in terms of their parenting what they use to parent us. Right, absolutely. But of course, interestingly, individualism is seen as a form of selfishness mm -hmm. <laughs> rather than it is the way that people in a structure where you can't rely on others, where people have been raised for self-reliance, this is, it becomes their mode of survival. It's more self-centered. It doesn't necessarily mean that it is selfish. So each culture looks at the other culture and defines it with its own terms. If you don't ask for a promotion, you don't feel confident, you lack self-esteem, it's your problem. <laughs> and then on the other side, if people are thinking about themselves, then from the point of view, as you described of your parents or other people in your community, it becomes very quickly defined as selfish because every person sometimes and every community sometimes defines the behaviors of the others through their own lens and how they would have interpreted that behavior according to their own cultural norms and values. Now you live in the States or somewhere close to here. You have learned to translate between these two languages, between these two sets of norms for a long time. Is that true, first of all? Yeah, you're straight on. Okay. You know what your mother would say, but you also know that what you say is in part what your mother would say and in part what your bosses would say, for, so to speak. There's yeah. a part of you that is very much oriented towards the recognition of others, the serving to the community, the not putting yourself front and center. And then there's another part of you that has ambitions, that wants to grow, that wants to advance in your career, that does want that kind of recognition, but without having to go and push your elbows. 
Yeah, it's, you know, our parents pushed us a lot academically, and it wasn't ever for money or for recognition. It was to make impact in the world. I have had to learn how to speak up because I've realized that that's what's going to allow me to get more responsibility at work to succeed and then do what I came to do, which is make a greater impact. So that is actually very beautiful because you have learned to speak up. You have learned an individual practice for a collective outcome. Yeah, it backfires often. Like, you're right. I have learned how to work like in the corporate setting And it's always for the good of the rest of our team, but everyone else isn't working in that paradigm. So it's so easy to forget me when it comes time for those decisions or when it comes time for recognition, because like, I often feel like I'm being used, like people will come to me and they know I'm not going to say no to something. I'll, I'll help them with anything, but it doesn't work both ways. Are you the only woman of color on your unit? Is there is there diversity on your team? Um, I think our, our workplace is very inclusive and diverse. When I first started, I was the only person of color on my team. And now um, it, it's a mix. Some projects I am and other projects I'm not. Do you have at all a sense that the reason that things don't come your way is because of issues of race and color or is it because you think the system says this company if you want to move ahead you need to go and ask for it they don't offer it yeah it's definitely the latter like i i don't think it's race um but it is definitely a company where self-promotion is absolutely critical as you continue to grow up the company okay so that's a very important distinction Because then, you know, the question becomes, how can you do more of it without experiencing a value conflict? If I put myself in the center, I become the selfish person I'm not supposed to be. How do I put myself in the center in a way that yeah. actually furthers the impact that I seek to have? And imagine... I was just thinking, you know, what would that conversation sound like? You know, you go and you talk with whoever you need to negotiate the upgrade with. And you basically say, this is a very interesting moment for me. I really know that there is a lot of appreciation for the work I do, and I'm very clear on that. And that feels very good. Where I'm from, when people outperform, one of the ways that people show their appreciation is by offering them a promotion. In the same way that we do not ask people if they want to drink something or eat something, we make sure that we put the food in front of them because we do not want somebody to have to ask. It is very challenging for me to have to ask. It is not the cultural practice from which I come, and I know that you are very interested in the concept of diversity and inclusion. This is a moment of talking about diversity as it comes to promotions, how different cultures do this. Yeah. You know, it's weird because I know we're talking about work, but like what you're saying to me, it applies so much to my personal life. I think this is like a huge point of 
tension between uh, my partner and I, because even though he came to North America well after me, we were both born in Pakistan. Sometimes I feel like he's more well adjusted to the individualistic lifestyle than I am. But we have similar conversations about how I feel like I do things without being asked. And then I feel like I'm not loved enough because it's not reciprocated. And he often will be like, but you didn't ask me to do it. He's very good about like, I'd like for you to acknowledge that I did this. I'd like for you to give credit where I did this. And I don't ask for that. And I... You know, we have this back and forth where I'm like, but I don't ask for credit for things. I just do them because I know you like them. That is such a classic conversation that is often very vested in culture because, you know, if it's expected from you to do certain things, the last thing you uh, you look for is appreciation or recognition because it's expected. If And he says... When I do certain things, I want to be acknowledged for it. And you say, neither do I ask, neither do I expect to be acknowledged. <laughs> yes. But I wish you would just do. And he says, I will do when you ask, because how else am I supposed to know? Yes. Like these conversations, they're not just at home, but at work, it will be something like, you know, um, my teammate during daily stand-up, she'll be like, I'm drafting an email today to send out to so-and-so. And I wouldn't ever come and say, that's what's taking up my time. I would just come and say, I've sent the email already. Support for Where Should We Begin comes from Shopify. Not all businesses are the same, and businesses need different things at different stages. Shopify is the global commerce platform flexible enough to help your business sell at every stage of growth. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify can help you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, Shopify offers the flexibility to support your operations no matter where you're selling. Right now, it's easier to stress less and sell more with Shopify Magic, an AI-powered helper created to give you a little boost. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., along with millions of other businesses across 175 different countries. Try it for yourself and see why companies like Allbirds and Brooklinen have used the platform to power their growth. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Go to shopify.com slash Esther now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Esther. Support for Where Should We Begin comes from Progressive. Most of us are listening to the podcast and multitasking. You may be driving, shopping, exercising, taking a walk. But if you're not in some kind of moving vehicle, there's something else that you can do right now, which is to get a quote from Progressive Insurance. It's easy and you can save money by doing it right from your phone. Drivers who switch to Progressive save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers can qualify for an average of seven discounts. 
Multitask right now. Get a quote for your car insurance at Progressive.com to join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you feel you would be comfortable identifying the riches of this conversation, the nuances of this conversation, exactly the way that you and I are having it right now. That is so an interesting difference here. It is totally accepted for you to talk about the hardships of the email that takes two days or or the, the fact that you've really put time aside to do this. And it is so interesting how easily People who grow up here sometimes, because there are many people who are like you and they don't even have the cultural camouflage to really explain it, but they experience their internal life like you. But many times it's true, people are encouraged to speak up, to say what they've done, to highlight the efforts that it takes. And it is a kind of a a subtle invitation or not so subtle invitation for recognition. And on the side of your humility, you say, I don't make a big fuss. I just come and say it's done. But internally, you don't. Ex- you also expect the recognition. You actually do. But you don't want to have to ask for it. The same way that you don't want to have to ask for the cup of tea. <laughs> and if you made that conversation public, it would be a very interesting opening up of many layers of communication that exist in your workplace and in your marriage, shed a light onto this. This is so interesting. This is not me and you. These are two different cultures. But interestingly, in both cultures, there is an expectation of recognition. It's just that in one, you're allowed to make a big deal to show that you deserve it. And in the other, your actions should speak for themselves and Everybody learns to maintain harmony by giving the recognition without the other person having to ask for it. It's considered a form of attunement. You know that that's what you're supposed to do. You know that you're supposed to ask, shall I carry your bags and not wait for the other person to say, can you help me? Oh my God, yes. (laughs) This actually happened the week after the wedding, my brother got mad at my husband because he didn't pick up my bags and he was letting me carry my suitcase in. And my brother was like, are you seriously just going to let her do that? Like she's never going to ask for help. And it created so much tension because it's, you know, it's just two different ways of looking at the world. But your husband knows the code. It's not like it's a foreign code to him, right? I don't think that it is that he was raised the same way. Um, It's also partially a gender thing. You can leave the word partially out of it, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) It is is a gender thing. I think in South Asia, there's a different expectation of how women behave in society and how men behave in society. One of the things I've learned through this whole marriage process is how much effort we in South Asia, focus on making sure that women know what to do, how to do it, how it affects 
everybody else, what the consequences of their actions are, even before they think it. Whereas men kind of haphazardly can go through life and make mistakes and it's okay. What is the child order of your husband? He's a middle child. Okay. Well, how did he respond to your brother? He's definitely on the quieter side, so he didn't say anything, but he was very upset at me that like he felt like he was being blamed for something that he didn't have the intention to do. Mm-hmm. Do you think he minded to carry your luggage or that he just, in his mind, it was, if you need help, you'll ask? I mean, having had these conversations, I know it's the latter, but my knee-jerk reaction is that he didn't care. Right. So this is where you will need to learn a little bit more to interpret his behavior from his vantage point. Otherwise, you're going to continuously confirm every time he doesn't help you, every time he doesn't thank you, every time he doesn't acknowledge you, it will continuously be interpreted to the same lens. And you're going to end up feeling very unloved, which is part of why I'm imagining you began to say that you may not have married him had you known all of this. Um, no, I already knew these things. I think what I didn't know is leading up to the wedding, it was a lot of, I knew what is expected of me and what my parents expect and what our family expects and how to do that from a societal point of view. And he's very much like, well, I don't want to do this because I don't want this. And that's it, period. It ended up leading to a lot of conflicts between us. One of my you know, solutions to this conflict and this constant stress we were both under was to tell him that he should go take a vacation for a week. I learned after the wedding that he started talking to someone else on that vacation. And it wasn't anything, I guess, maybe other people would call it like not cheating. But to me, it was a huge blow because at the end of the day, it was the same thing. How could you not have thought about how much this would hurt me? How did you not care? And his response was that in that moment, he wasn't thinking about anyone else but himself. And I I, I went through an even harder time because it's, it's always harder for the girl, especially in South Asian weddings. And I thought about, like, if I'm being honest, I thought about running away and kind of just... I wasn't able to do work that I enjoy. I wasn't able to like just relax and enjoy that because I constantly felt guilty about having to do something in relation to wedding prep. So I thought about running away and doing something for myself, but I didn't because all I could think about how disappointed he or my family or his family would be. Mm-hmm. And have you and him been able to work through some of what had happened between him and you? You know, this. the hardest part about all of this is I found out maybe a few days after we got married and we still had a solid week left with our family. So I had to suck it up and make sure we were a happy married couple. And when I came back, it was very hard for me to think about anything or feel anything because I had spent so much time just numbing it. I am you know, very in tune with my emotions, but I can also 
it, it becomes really hard to reconnect with them if I've shut them off. Well, it's not that you shut them off only, it's that you put them aside because your emotions are not to be more important than the social convention and the maintaining of the social harmony and the relationships with all the families. So that is where the individual has to step back behind the collective and the community. Yeah. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. you do have the opportunity through your husband to learn to speak up as much as he has the opportunity through you to learn to become much more attuned to the needs and the feelings of the person next to him and not just to say, this is what works for me. Why don't you adapt? You mm -hmm. know, you learn to be like me. No, if he chose you and he chose someone who is so adept at thinking about others, that you are adept at thinking about him, then the goal is not just for you to continue to think about him and to presume every need he may have ahead of himself, but also for him to become more sensitive and attuned and attentive to you. And for you to use the opportunity to say, I'm going to learn through him to be a little bit more outspoken, to be a little bit more vocal, because it ultimately will serve me a little bit as well, and not in the instrumental sense of serving. But it, if I chose someone who's good at thinking about himself, it's because sometimes I could learn a little bit of that. It's like each of you 
choose someone whose proclivities match your vulnerabilities. And the same thing will apply at work, but in a more broader sense. You know, you're going to use your knowledge of a different cultural system to describe that to the people and that it applies not just to you because you are from Pakistan, but it applies to probably other people on the team who are quieter, who are waiting for others to notice them rather than to push themselves on the front stage, and that you will be a good interpreter of that dynamic. So it goes beyond you, and you can explain exactly that. You know, it's very interesting. This company works on one model, but I'd like for you to know there's another way to go about this that would actually make quite a lot of people here feel much more acknowledged, much more appreciated, and therefore much more engaged, and therefore probably even more producing. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm hearing from you is, you know, self-love translates to having a voice and practicing using it both at work and in my personal life. Yes, but you may use the word self-love. I, I, it's a certain form. I think that if you know that when you speak up, you're not just doing it for you only, you will have less of a concern that to be vocal is to be selfish and that yeah. you have to stay subdued, subservient, and subjugated in your role as a woman and that you should not ask for too much, and that you should wait for your turn, and that you should think about how your needs affect everybody else, and all of that code. If I just talk to you about self-love in the American sense of the word, you're going to experience a conflict in doing it, because you will feel like you're doing everything against the thing that you were brought up to be. But the one thing they did say in your house is being educated, being learned, being very ambitious, being very successful is about impact. And as long as you don't just see this as benefiting you, you will have a much easier time to experience what you call self-love. Because the love of the self benefits the community rather than just yourself. Yeah, I didn't see it. How does it land on you now? Um, I mean, it's definitely harder, but I I think this is the little trinket to remind myself, right? Um, because I don't, like, it's very easy for me to stand up for someone else, to ask for things I know that are going to be good for the rest of the project or are going to be good for the team. But if it's just solely about me, then I I will wait, like, Keep waiting to be asked Tell about it. Tell me something. Do you have people on your team who can do for you what you do for them? I'm trying to build those. I'm trying to give people the opportunity to do that. You know, when they used to measure social competence of children in school, they often looked at the kids who put their hands up as the children who are more socially competent and more assertive and more confident and more engaged, etc., etc. And they then for interpreted the kids who didn't put their hands up as having less of all those social competencies rather than looking 
at the fact that these children may have come from different cultures and different backgrounds in which putting your hands up was considered boastful, <laughs> attention-seeking, and selfish. You're describing childhood right here. <laughs> so you don't have a problem. It becomes maybe sometimes problematic in this environment, but that doesn't mean you have a problem and that you lack self-love. You are raised with a different code and it becomes interpreted as a lack of self-love. You have a lot to teach the people that you work with about other ways of being in the world and other ways of being in relationship to other people. Now that said, you're going to choose your mentors, you're going to choose your allies, you're going to choose the people who sometimes can go to bat for you when you don't feel that you are the best representative. There are loads of people who need other people sometimes to negotiate on their behalf. And you are right, these are the very same people who are often wonderful at negotiating for others. <laughs> so it's not that you don't know how to do it, it's that you have learned not to do it on your behalf, but you have learned this. Can you unlearn it? Yes, to a certain degree, you can learn to do it differently if you so choose to. How does all this resonate for you? Yeah, it's. I think it's just kind of looking at the box from a different angle. It's a, a way of looking at things that I hadn't looked at before. So thank you for that. And how are you feeling right now? That's how you, what you think. Because I don't see you, but I hear your tears and I hear your sadness. Um, at work, we often talk about creating a culture not where people fit in, but where people belong. It's two different things. I think like with that point of view, I feel like I've been trying very hard always to fit in and maybe not taking the time to share with people how they could make me feel like I belong. Beautiful, beautiful. In this conversation, you try to fit in or you belong? I guess in this conversation, I felt like I just am and I tried to just be. So I guess I felt like I belonged because you honored the many parts of you. Yeah. And and I guess you heard the many parts of me. So so thank you for that. So I invite you because we only have one very brief conversation. But if you can take some of that with you to work and home where you hold on to the many parts. Not rigidly, but openly. And that beautiful distinction you just made. Instead of putting all the effort in fitting in, fitting in as a wife, fitting in as an employee, that you cultivate the experience of belonging. But you are right. It is a reciprocal experience. It's not something you do alone. It's something the culture, the environment of the place where you are, the relationship you are in, or the team you are on. They are direct co-creators of the feeling of belonging. Yeah. Yes.
This was an Esther calling, a one-time intervention phone call recorded remotely from two points somewhere in the world. If you have a question you'd like to explore with Esther, could be answered in a 40 or 50 minute phone call, send her a voice message and Esther might just call you. Send your question to producer at estherperel.com. Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel is produced by Magnificent Noise. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network in partnership with New York Magazine and The Cut. Our production staff includes Eric Newsom, Eva Walchover, Destry Sibley, Huete Gatana, Sabrina Farhi, Eleanor Kagan, Kristen Muller, and Julian Hatton. Original music and additional production by Paul Schneider. And the executive producers of Where Should We Begin are Esther Perel and Jesse Baker. We'd also like to thank Courtney Hamilton, Mary Alice Miller, Jen Marler, and Jack Saul. Support for Where Should We Begin comes from Masterclass. Masterclass offers classes from over 180 world-class instructors. Frank Gehry can teach you about his unconventional approach to design and architecture. Margaret Atwood can help you develop your eye for story. Or you can take my own course. My class is about relational intelligence, how you connect with others, how you improve your communication skills, develop more empathy, build better boundaries, and find clearer resolution for conflict. Right now, you will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash begin. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash begin. Masterclass.com slash begin. This episode of Where Should We Begin is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Get your quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.